Hey Prakriti, um, so excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Um, before I begin this episode, as always, I want to share more about my guest Prakriti today. She graduated with a bachelor's in electronics and telecommunications from NIT Raipur in India. After which, she worked at Hela as a software engineer. Before making a move to the United States and pursuing her master's in computer engineering from Virginia Tech. The summer in between, she worked at National Instruments as an intern. and right after her graduation she worked at qualcom as a software engineer and recently started off her journey in google as a software engineer uh is there anything else that you would like to know more about um, to the guest uh, prakriti uh no i think that was a very good sort of high level description of what i have been doing so far so let's get started yeah i know like we'll dig deep into more of your journey um and uh, get to know more about you and as well as uh, give some more suggestions to the international students yeah so let's let's start off with the fact like how was your journey back in india um how did you, what what was the life like in india and uh, what was your sort of tech inclination um getting to bachelor's degree what is there is there any sort of tech inclination story that you have mm-hmm. uh I think like I I am from Raipur. Uh, it's it's in Chhattisgarh, and I come from a family of doctors. So my aunts, my father, like mo- most of my you know uh, like uh, relatives and even some cousins are doctors. So it had already always been in the home that you know whenever you have a doctor parents, you that the child or the kid also becomes a doctor. And it was a case for me till like eight. then standard that oh i want to also become a doctor but then when it came time to actually select the stream biology slash maths so it sort of naturally came down to my love or inclination for you know maths to take so and and eventually uh, it also sorted of going that it has to be engineering because my sister who had always been an inspiration for me since childhood i've always looked upon her she was also pursuing engineering at that time so it sort of naturally came that uh, engineering something you know you you sort of get associated like try to solve some nice problems and stuff so that's how i i joined Nash, uh, the nit raipur in the electronics and telecommunication branch yeah and um, specifically coming from uh, the indian family background it's always either you have to go the doctor doctorate stream being a doctor <laughs> or um, actually going to the engineering field most of the times but yeah. uh, things are changing and like ways and yeah. the mindsets are changing so it's it's pretty nice to see that mm-hmm. uh, specifically like you talked about raipur um, is there anything uh, specifically unique about raipur or something if somebody asked you uh, anything unique about raipur what would be what would be shared um so for people who don't know chatisgarh was a newly formed state from madhya pradesh uh, in in the year 2000 and it's the capital city um not many people are still aware of it but whenever whenever you say that oh what do you have in raipur um so we don't have a lot many uh touristy sort of places but in terms of education we have an nit we have a top a very top law school we have an iim raipur 
so, so there are uh, like in terms of education wise, I think there are so many good institutes today. So what about culturally food? What is food like? Culture like? Dance like? So right, so Raipur and Chhattisgarh is like sort of in the middle of the India. So when I grew up, I had I had my friends who sort of who their parents migrated to India for let's say job or whatsoever from many different parts. I had a best friend who was uh, who was from Bengal. I had so many friends, my neighbors who were from South India. We used to participate in drawing competitions, painting competitions that was organized by the Maharashtrian community. We used to go to the uh, the Ganesh uh, or the Durga events, and people who used to organize the, those uh, uh, Durga festivals and stuff. So it was like a very nice multicultural experience that I think I personally gained gained from staying like in the central India and making friends who have you know who are from very different cultural backgrounds so yeah that's that's interesting like specifically me uh, when I actually moved to United States uh, the same scenario like you, the, 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 the best thing about foreign education in itself as well is uh, the amount of uh, diversity that we have the people coming from different parts of the world um, sharing views ideas and also sharing their culture uh, so that's interesting that you you touched upon those when you were already in your undergrad and all. So interesting. Um, when you actually got into NID Raipur, what was it like? Was the was uh, was it what you expected from engineering uh, when you graduated from NIT? Um, how was the experience for you? Um, I think like I think most of the people who join engineering for bachelors particularly, it's like a broader scope of subjects that you study. Particularly for us, it was electronics and telecommunication. So we had a bunch of subjects in electronics and a bunch of subjects in telecommunication. And in terms of the curriculum wise, I think I was more, I could say I was more on an exploratory phase where I didn't have any inclination towards, oh, I like these subjects or oh, if I don't like these subjects. I was quite open to learning whatever I was taught. And eventually, like, at the time of my internship, I, I studied, uh, uh, I worked on hardware designing, like actually doing the Verilog coding for, for three months and during the internship. But then at the same time, we were also introduced to uh, the, uh, the subjects of embedded systems, microcontrollers, microprocessors. Uh, those sort of uh, like interested me a lot. I also did a winter training, like it was a short, like two or three weeks winter training in that, just to sort of get more familiar, familiarized with the subject. And after my graduation, uh, actually, I would just want to go back and say, uh, I sort of, I, I was more of an academic person, and I actually wanted to study further uh, than do my master's in India, but it didn't turn out as I planned. So I, I joined Hella, which is a German automotive parts supplier. Um, and as a software engineer working in the embedded systems domain. So luckily, uh, the thing that I had slight interest in, I also got that working as a full-time, as my first industrial experience. So this is how it sort of panned out. And that's how I knew this is where, you know, I would want to do masters further. Interesting. So you, you said that after you graduated, you actually worked at Hella, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so working at Hella as an embedded as an embedded software engineer, what 
did that did that experience in any sorts kind of help you out uh, for your masters later on or and as well as like how did you what was the decision process like when did you decided okay so this is the time that i want to go and pursue uh, higher studies in 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 a foreign country mm-hmm. what well, what was going on when did that decision process process really made when did you really make up your mind mm-hmm. and how did the how did your full time job really help you out mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. so i think it was uh, so I, so i joined hella in i think june 2013 right after my graduation and that year somewhere in october i, I sort of knew that i have to prepare and 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 at that point uh, i i sort of had inclination that okay i don't want to do it in india but maybe in germany or uh, you know in europe that's where my first thought was so i started speaking with few 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 of my friends and mentors who were there in my internship uh, uh during the bachelor's internship and one of the persons who was actually studying in netherlands he said that you know you should actually look for us than uh, uh, in europe so that's when i started researching more about the universities in us uh, i i didn't know any person um, you know from my seniors who were studying or who were studying the like computer engineering stream that i was interested in so i started uh, following this uh, website i don't know if it's still up or not edulix that was my go to for everything just to get my profile you know suggested by the folks who have already been there to suggest so what what should be my oh this is my profile what should be my uh, ambitious universities or what should be my moderate or what should be my safe so yeah uh, and then i started preparing for gre tofsil recommendation letter of recommendations sop that's what i worked in for the remaining of 2014 and i uh, and when by that time when when it when the time came to write the statement of purpose i had already been working for around one and a half years by then by that time in company and i really liked the embedded systems domain that i was working on so so i knew exactly what in which area i wanted to do my masters in so i sort of reflected that on my statement of purpose where i i knew i had studied all these things broadly in my undergrad but then because i had been working in the industry for around another half years i i sort of knew these these are these are the things that i have learned these are the design challenges which i am aware of and this is where i can see that i can bridge my gap by learning those skills in the masters and potentially you know help solving engineering problems so i think that that's what it happened i i started applying i i applied to around 8 to 10 universities in us and one university in netherlands and i i got admitted from few of my ambitious universities uh virginia tech was somewhere around ambitious and uh, uh, moderate uh, but but from virginia tech i got a full one year scholarship they also offered me a teaching assistant where i was getting monthly stipend so so this offer helped you know me and my family uh, avoiding this huge financial uh, education loan burden so that's why i came to virginia tech and uh, i fully agree when you actually said that you when, when once you worked at hella um it certainly like working before going for masters uh, definitely helps you out in terms of making a decision of you you dead said okay this is what i want to do so that's that's definitely and that's definitely interesting in, in some sorts um when you were actually uh, when when you chose virginia tech 
Um, so obviously, once you go from masters or a PhD program, your next your next uh, I would say target is actually to find a good research advisor to do research under. Um, mm -hmm. How was that process like? How did you started to find professors, reach out to professors? Uh, if there are any suggestions that if you had to do it all over again, what would be your kind of way of doing that or suggesting it to other students? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think I started contacting professors even before I uh, I uh, like even before I got like an admit from a university. Some professors said so. Basically, what I do is I I go to the university website. I look for all the research groups. I know what interested what what research group I'm interested in. I look at the different professors, what type of work they are doing. And, and then I and I send out an email to them with a good subject for 2015. I remember I, my subjects were like, because because subject is what everyone sees. And then the professor decides whether you want to open that email or not. It was like for 2015 incoming student looking for research opportunities or uh, like a specific strategy. Most of the time it worked. I, I got uh, I got some emails from professors saying, hey, you know what, once you get your admit, reach out to me then. Uh, and then I, I followed up with them. And then they said that, oh, sure, you, you can come. And then, yeah, I'll give you some some two weeks, like a test project. And if you work, if you if you do well in that project, then you can join my, my group. So this was my experience with one of the professors. Uh, in, in case of Virginia Tech, I yeah I did the same I I looked at the ECE departments research groups I particularly liked Seska the Center of Embedded Systems for Critical Applications I looked at different professors I I liked one of the uh, professors work who was who was working on automotive automotive uh, and domain as well from Hela so I I reached out. Um, he he liked my resume, so yeah, and that's how I started working with him. I I when I reached here, I sent out a email that I am in budget and tech now, and I would like to meet and see if we can you know work on some project that that you know that I'm interested in and you 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 have an opening for. So that's that's how it happens. So I would suggest to yeah like research well, know sort of what you want to do or roughly what you want to do, and then. Uh, just reach out to the professors. So, so overall, like having an idea of what you really want to do with, in terms of research, finding the finding the professors in that in that line, trying to read out the articles or getting to know more about them before you mm -hmm. actually reach out to them, and then reaching out with the whole concept of okay, this is this is what I would like to do. This is what I can help you out in terms of research, and these are the things that I actually like more about you or the yeah. research that you've done. So kind of you're hitting all the three yeah. bullet points. Interesting. Um, so how uh, overall, like coming into Virginia Tech, uh, any sort of culture shock that you experienced? Anything out of the bounds that you saw? Or what were the aspirations like when you when you were planning to move to the United States? OK, this is what USA would look like. And once you actually reached there, were there any sorts of shocks that um, you experienced? So I just came with an open mind. I never had any friends who were already studying here before. And few of my friends, two to three friends, who actually joined with me. So I had no prior uh, knowledge as such of how it's gonna be. So when I first came here, 
uh, one of the biggest uh, academic, you know, shock per se was when I started looking at the curriculum of the undergrads because I was a TA throughout my uh, two years, two years in masters. I had the opportunity to uh, help the undergrads as a teaching assistant with their assignments and projects and all any of their courses questions that they had and i noticed that few of the subjects that i actually studied in my fourth year in india in bachelor's engineering people were studying here in their second year so i noticed that the academic curriculum that we have here in us universities for engineering is much gives a very good hands-on experience of how the industry work would look like so that was i was very impressed with this one thing interesting uh, that's definitely like i'm uh, i've i've been i've done completed my bachelor's over here in virginia tech so i can i can definitely uh, second that uh, from research experience like the amount of undergraduate research experience that you can get because professors are willing to help you out and willing to they want you to learn and uh, help out in their research labs. So that's that's you're, you're dead on on that. Um, what, what about career fairs now looking for jobs mm -hmm. when you were in Virginia Tech or internships? How was the process like for mm -hmm. that? Um, you must have prepared in a certain mm -hmm. way uh, to first of all, get your internship at National Instruments and getting a job at Qualcomm. What was were there any sorts of how first of all how did you actually prepare for them mm -hmm. and uh, what were kind of the mistakes that you made on the way mm -hmm. so if i remember i i got my internship at national instruments within two months of uh, moving to virginia tech uh, as in moving to us and coming to virginia tech um, it was during the career fair i happened to visit the national instruments booth i talked to a person i told him about few of the National Instruments product that I saw in one of the conferences that I visited that year um, in India before coming to US. Um, so I, I talked about, oh, uh, there's this FPGA designing product that NI uses. It was really interesting. And that person luckily happened to be from the same team. He, he liked me. He found that I am interested in, in the work that the company is doing. So he scheduled a next day on campus interview. It was on a simple uh, data such a question. Um, I, I, I didn't had a lot of, uh, so I didn't actually uh, study data such as an algo uh, academically during my undergrad, but it was a basic questions that I was uh, aware of. So I was able to solve it. And that's how I grabbed my first internship. And moving on to the uh, career fair for the on-site interview, I, I, I didn't, I, so I actually applied for Qualcomm online. That's how I got it. Um, but there are so many other resources. Like I, I had given a few interviews when the companies used to visit the uh, universities just like for a information session. They also usually take resumes at that time. So you just have to stand in stand in a line for a couple of minutes, but it's worth it. So I I, I did that, and uh, and and then there was this one strategy that sort of worked for me for the campus uh, the career fairs first. Like firstly, research it very well that what uh, what uh, companies as an international student what companies are actually open to recruiting international students. 
because there is no point of going to those uh, booths where you stand in line for five minutes or ten minutes. You talk to the recruiter for another three minutes, but then they say, "Oh, sorry, we are not taking international students." So, I I specifically target targeted only those uh, booths or those companies that were open to the um, the international students, and I also sort of check their website. I note down the job code also. Which is which was relevant to me, so that when I go and talk to the recruiter, I give me give my elevator pitch. I introduce them, my experiences, and I just say that hey, I saw your website. I saw these are the job openings you have. These are the ones that I apply. I, I want to apply, or I have already applied online. Instead of saying that hey, do you have any job? And then they say oh yeah, we have it. Or go look at your uh, look at our career website. So this sort of uh, it it. You are skipping some redundant steps by being prepared for the career fair early. So those are the few things that sort of work for me. Interesting, and I actually advise anybody else as well the same thing that it's very important to actually research the the companies well before, and as well as you know which position you should actually know as a candidate where you fit in, rather than making the recruiter or the hiring manager to actually tell you what is the right position or right where you can add the most value to the company so very important to do that because that certainly adds a sort of like value aspect to it that you know yourself and your skills better and how you would be able to add value now later on of course you could definitely talk to the company and kind of go back and forth and get to know even like other you know opportunities that you might not have known but very important to obviously come prepared with that so definitely an important tip what about uh, so working at how was working at Qualcomm like, um, and why why did you end up making a transition later on? Sure. So I was in Qualcomm right after I graduated from Virginia for around two and a half years, and during that entire time, it was a like a learning experience till the last day, I could say, and and there was like so many new skills. That I learned on the on the process, not just technical, but also communication and leadership skills. Uh, I I was working there uh, developing the the protocols for 5G, uh, which which goes into the 5G modem chipsets. So all the new phones that are coming to today that has 5G capability on it. So I could probably say that you know my code is is right on those devices. um at the same time i also had the opportunity to attend some of the uh, conferences specifically women in tech conferences there i started listening to stories of industry leaders and how their journey has been unfolded throughout these years and what what have they no uh, what have they experienced how how their career path has been how what do they want to do next or what are the new challenges or the changes that they have you know encountered so i i i came back and started introspecting that what what is the next thing that i want to do and or or where do i see myself or what do i see doing myself in the next 5 years so there i i sort of got this uh, feeling that i i think i i i don't want to particularly be in the telecommunication domain but i instead i would want to increase the breadth of my knowledge and 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 this could be any way so like 
for example just 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 to tell where i'm coming from in hala i worked in the car domain uh, for the automobile domain in in polcom i was working in the mobile domain so i sort of wanted to know that as long as i am in the devices like in, in the domain of devices i would want to try something new and potentially maybe just move a stack up in the software stack just to try out something new so when i then i started preparing for interviews and i uh, so when i got this opportunity at google it it sounded really interesting it sort of aligned with what i was looking at next so i jumped the wagon here so yeah um, also going into the preparation aspect specifically when you're preparing for software engineering roles it's uh, the preparation is the key uh especially mm -hmm. for the technical interviews so how mm -hmm. how was your uh, kind of preparation like for technical interviews did it change when you were preparing for qualcom or when you were preparing for google interviews and uh, are there any suggestions that you would suggest to international students or students in general like who are in cs cp or actually trying to get into uh, software engineering companies um mm -hmm. let's let's go through that sure so i am a computer engineering graduate so our interviews are really different than the standard computer science interviews specifically in the design rounds um so but but hands down uh, data structures and algorithms is something you should definitely know if you want to join the software industry because that uh, at least in the current times that is de facto the interview rounds are based on the coding interviews phone interview phone screening everything starts off with the with the uh, software the, the software coding challenges so prepare those and in my case i i i so when i when i uh, during during national uh, during uh, virginia tech when i was transitioning to qualcom i i that was my first time uh academically or formally studying data structures because i hadn't studied it before so i started off with the scratch like actually studying what a linked list is or why we use uh, arrays versus linked lists and what scenarios and so forth so i i started off with there and um because qualcomm's role was oriented towards the embedded systems so uh, they had mix of both embedded systems and uh, the coding involving linked lists so that so that's where uh, so that's how i made to qualcom and then for google or any other big tech if someone wants to they they focus more on the advanced data structures so that's when i filled my uh, knowledge gap of studying advanced data structures as a part of my interview preparation from uh, in in order to transition from qualcom to somewhere else or uh, so that's that's what i did uh yeah so yeah so uh, like specifically i feel like um, there are so many resources out there when you're studying when you're preparing for software engineering interviews in terms there are like a lot of books um and a lot of websites and all so what in, if you had to suggest to somebody to get started um what what would be like the key or i would say the mecca of books or the mecca of resources that somebody should be targeting first or like what should be kind of the structure that they should be going in when while preparing for data structures and algorithms just because you actually went on from scratch so you would know mm -hmm. better or like more efficient techniques um to kind of cover the whole thing and also as well as be best prepared for any interviews mm -hmm. 
so for people who are actually starting from scratch who have not studied it academically formally before uh, there are so many resources out there where you could start with the basics try to understand the concept behind each of these before jumping right into the coding but at the same time once you once you know the basics start coding the very uh, standard or the very fundamental parts of the data structures or how to how to work with a basic linked list or a stacks or queues like right right from the very fundamental concepts do not take it for granted that oh, all these uh, advanced programming languages have those libraries already present to me for me to work with all the basic data structures but it's always good or at least that's what has worked for me to to denote more time but do do understand the fundamentals implement the fundamentals get familiar with it and then build upon it all the advanced data structures or the algorithm logic so it's it's a matter of time and the and the investment of your uh, investment time and your efforts to actually you know uh, be prepared for breaking into the software engineering job and uh, when we talk about like the big companies and the big tech in the united states and like even like mid level software engineering companies well, what do you think a personally working um, working now for almost like 3 4 years as a software engineer um, what do you think is kind of like the differentiating factor when it comes to working in big tech as compared to any mid level company um, what, what what does really differentiates it uh, as an engineer and this might also give in to like an in depth view of how like how they are actually choosing the engineers or people or the candidates to work at those companies what they really looking for mm-hmm. um so in terms of the difference that i have seen i can try to relate what my experience has been working uh, at hela which at that time uh, when i was working in pune at their office they were around 250 students for the developments oh sorry 250 employees uh, Uh, in that in that particular development center office and to polcom or google uh, it was a mid sized company i could probably say small sized company uh, it the company was large but the office in india for the development center was smaller so i actually got a chance to work on various module like various aspects of a software uh, design development uh, process it in also involved like gathering the requirements uh, documenting those requirements um uh, planning out the design for the software the development also plan out the testing as well and also do not just the the developer level testing but also uh, one step above and and some modular level testing so this this i think can be correlated to how people see here working in startups It's like working in startup versus working in some bigger companies in startups you do a lot of work uh, not in terms of working crazy hours or something but you just get a hands on things to do very different aspects of the software development and not, not just the coding part of it but when you come to bigger companies these stakes are higher they employ more people to dedicatedly work on the various aspects of the project so you you sort of don't get a 
option to work on more of these, but at the same time, the complexity that you are dealing with increases. So there are there are the certain aspects you won't you won't get to work on it, but then the aspects that you work on it, you you get to learn a lot more. Interesting. So you you're kind of more razor focused in a specific core set area that you're focusing on at job like big companies. Interesting. Um, what about uh, let's let's focus on like how does a day actually looks like as a software engineer. Mm -hmm. So if you could uh, if you could share like how does your day actually look like uh, starting off in the morning um, it would be it would be amazing. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I, I think it's pretty much the same for all the software engineers. But most of the time is spent in software development, writing tests for it, doing code reviews for you know other other colleagues and software developers who we have in the team, and then at the same time have design meetings to see how how we would want to target this this new feature that you want to add and also have uh, design meetings with the ux uh, designers and the product managers to see what are the features that we would want to add so this is pretty much how it, uh, it you know usually is for me these days and when you're talking about like uh, interacting because you're more on the tech side uh, working as a software engineer kind of developing those features out for the product managers like the the, the the feature requests that product managers really bring to you um how how do you how how do you really collaboratively work uh, with with the product managers if you if you had to give give an insight to working with ux ui designers and product managers just from a tech perspective how do you really talk to them or like uh, for example like if somebody is not really a tech engineer or software engineer but is a product manager in, in a sense how do you really explain your concepts or something, some idea that you have or the way that you're going to go through? So I think, so this is my first time in Google working with the UX designers and the product managers. So I'm kind of still getting used to uh, this new, uh, you know, uh, this new way of working. But in general, I think from what I have understood, like the product managers are also expected to have the product managers in our tech company are also expected to have deep understanding of the uh, the technicalities of the product as well. So I think in general, the conversation has been smooth. They understand when we say that oh, this could be a design engineering challenge problem, or or they they try to see okay, can you explain a bit further? So I think in terms of that, like having a a proper synchronization or sync between the, the UX engineering and product managers, I think is important. And I think, yeah, so when you try, when you when you, when when a new feature comes and so forth, we we try to see okay, what what are the what are the what are the uh, implications of it in from the engineering perspective at the same time what would be the implications from the UX perspective, and then we try to come up with a single solution that sort of fits in all the three aspects of the triangle. Interesting, and uh, specifically like developing a new feature or a de developing a different product, it's very important to actually align all the product manager teams, um, the engineers, and as well as the UX UI designers to come up with a, with a good product or, um, that you can package and market overall to your consumers. Uh, so well said on that. And um, what about um, let's let's if if there is something that you had to look back in your life, any advice that was given to you that still sticks around 
what would it be and uh, is there any story behind that uh, that advice uh, i think one thing that i have learned so far is uh, like do not shy away from your shortcomings like if you know there are certain aspects which which you think are lacking which could otherwise hamper your uh, career growth or something just just work on it in my case it was not 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 having the knowledge for operating systems or not having to formally learn the data structures and who over like i i didn't jump jump into it right away but over a span of 2 and 3 years i slowly uh, started like working on it gained much more insights and experience in those areas like trying to trying to learn those fields and then uh, and and then what i've seen is whatever you learn even if it's not immediately useful but at the end of the day somewhere down the line it, it will definitely be useful in one way or the other so like be open to uh, you know like listening if people say that you know you you you, you don't you may not to improve in this this front or when you realize that oh i don't know this thing and i should learn it instead of saying that oh uh, I, i don't know if i would be able to learn it but uh, or just just go out of your comfort zone and and try to fill those small gaps that you may have in, in your in a, you know if on your overall academic or technical profile in order to be a good engineer in this industry just being open to learning yeah. getting out of your comfort zone and and filling in the gaps and not being shy not shying away that you ha- you don't really know anything about this concept or this part of your uh, of technicalities and then you you actually dig dig deep into that and start learning about it to fill those gaps rather than actually being like damn i don't know where do i start you just need to get started mm-hmm. um so like what what's next for you or what do you think is next for you now well uh, i just started like a new role i it's it's a new framework new new programming language that i'm learning so i think like right now personally i feel this is this is where i am at where i want to just get myself become a technical uh, master or gain gain enough expertise of the new domain that i'm working on and at the same time just do a little bit more on the networking side as well just connect to people and you know attend sessions and some conferences that i can trusting and uh, if i had to ask you what is your source of motivation like getting out of bed uh, going to work and uh, doing doing a great job that you're doing what would be your source of motivation everyday source of motivation so most of the time uh i think the work that i'm doing is, is quite interesting to me like i am working in the devices domain which i'm really passionate about which it comes with its own set of engineering challenges and tackling those sort of gives a motivation that oh my prod like whatever i'm working on the the engineering product out there will eventually be used by so many people so that sort of you know i, I try to use that to fuel my motivation that's nice um and uh, it's it's time to wrap things up and uh, just say thanks uh, to you and um, before we uh, before we part ways are there any 
ending notes and suggestions that you would like to give to the international students? Um, sure. Uh, I think sort of mentioned it before as well. Uh, just try to be open to learning new things. And as an international student, always be informed of what's what's going around and try to network more talk, reach out to people who you maybe you know checked on linkedin and you sort of like their career journey reach out to those uh, folks most of the time people are really helpful they would be open to giving you any suggestions or just open to being a mentor to you so reach out and you know seek mentorship if needed Amazing, Prakriti. Um, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you so much for coming on the International Voice, sharing your journey with all the international students and how you've actually grown throughout your career. Um, I'll be linking Prakriti's uh, LinkedIn in the description box below. So please reach out to Prakriti if you need any sort of mentorship, uh, especially women in tech. Definitely reach out to Prakriti and uh, get to know her network and kind of kind of get to know her personally of how things are going on and as well as like she'll, she'll be happy to mentor you. Um, so yeah, um, on, the, on the ending note, thank you so much, Prakriti. Thanks again. Yeah. And uh, we would love to have you back again uh, for another session. But um, so far, thank you so much. Thanks a lot for coming. Yeah, on. yeah. thank you and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you.